good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me for this episode is BJ Cunningham. Anthony is off this week, um, but BJ and I will have you covered. We'll go through all 10 matches coming up in the Premier League this weekend. BJ will run through the Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, Ligue 1. We'll give out a underdog parlay. And then our best bets uh, for the upcoming Premier League slate. But before we get to that, just a reminder that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, and Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. That's why you get more boosts with them than anybody else. Every day, they power up the odds on hundreds of bets to give you a chance to win more. Bet365 boosts specific markets, your winnings, and even parlays, and they don't stop there. Keep an eye out for, for their biggest and best odds with the incredible super boosts. Check out the boosts and see why it's never ordinary at Bet365. You must be 21 or older and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, or 18 and older in Kentucky. If you have a gambling problem or you know someone who does and needs help, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Okay, BJ, uh, we'll start with a the headliner for this weekend, which is a Sunday kickoff between Manchester City and Manchester United, the Manchester Derby. City is laying minus 350 here, a prohibitive favorite coming off of a uh, crazy win over in the FA Cup uh, on Tuesday over Luton Town, in which Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Holland linked up for four goals. Uh, United 9-1. to one. The draw here is plus 475. You, This is this has got to be tough for you. Like It, it seems like this, this price is, yeah. is outrageous. It feels outrageous when you look at the two teams and, and all that, but... Uh, you would still rather bet Manchester City at this kind of price than Man United, huh? Yeah. Um, it Honestly, it has more to do with who is actually available for Manchester United. Because if they had a full-strength squad, I would probably be sitting here and saying, like, whoa, this price is kind of crazy, probably passing. You know, rarely maybe, you know, what, I've made like one bet on United over the last two years. But I just don't know what they're going to do out of possession or how they can actually stop City. So as of right now, we're recording this before they play Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. Hoyland's out. Lissandra Martinez is out. Luke Shaw is out. Harry Maguire is out for that match. And also Rafael Varane and Bruno Fernandes are also questionable to play in the FA Cup. So who knows if those guys are actually going to play in the weekend. But in either case, it's going to be a second-choice back line for Manchester United trying to defend City. And what we've seen from from United, especially in these big type of games, because we haven't seen them play a, you know, a big opponent. They've been uh, facing a lot of teams in the bottom half of the table and going on a run against them. But, you know, this kind of takes me back to the match against Liverpool when they played them at Anfield. 
drew them zero zero, gave up what thirty two shots or something like that. Yep. Got it to zero zero. In that match, they didn't even try to press Liverpool. They just kind of sat deep and they just said, "Hey, like this is all we can do. Like there's really not much else that uh, like we can't press them because if we do, we're gonna leave our backline exposed." Like so, that is really the only scenario that I think out of possession they can do in this match and just hope Onana stands on his head. Uh, even in the previous match, you know, City won that three nothing. City created over four expected goals. No, Nana actually stood on his head for pretty much the entire match to keep them actually in it and give them a chance. So, um, you know, you see obviously the difference that Kevin De Bruyne makes when he comes back in the lineup for City. You know, against Bournemouth, they struggled for chance creation because they were trying to dominate the middle of the pitch. They started Kovacic and Matthias Nunes as uh, the two advanced midfielders in a 4-1-4-1. You may see something like that again with De Bruyne in the lineup. You know, he obviously, from chance creation, he's the best one in the Premier League. So I don't see a scenario how United keeps City out here. And given the fact that Hoyland's out as well, who is their best transition threat, and the fact that even Martial is out as well, they don't really have a true striker. So they're either going to have to start Rashford up top where he's uncomfortable, Garnacho, something like that. But either in either case, it's just a really bad scenario here for United. So I don't really like laying it with City. I don't really do that that often, but in this case, given how bad United also penned against the big six away from home, last nine matches, minus 9.5 expected goal differential, only three points. So I'm taking City minus one and a half. I'm just laying it. And I feel even if they don't cover, I feel like we're going to walk away from this match being like either, man, Onana stood on his head City just couldn't finish at the end and it'll come out as, you know, probably should have won based on expected goals. So that's just kind of how I see this match going. So I'm just, I'm just laying it with City. Yeah, I think, I think one, I'm happy you brought up the Liverpool match. I was going to do that. I think that United will go into this game knowing that the only way they get out of this, this match with a result is if they shut down shop completely. And so I think you could look at like a first half under a first half nil nil is like plus 333. At Bet365, I think those are uh, interesting bets. But other than that, um, I don't have much because it's 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 one thing. I think with Liverpool, it's it's that strategy can work a little bit better. They they want a frenetic pace to games. They want the ball to be on the carpet, pinging around. And uh, City's just not really like that. They they want to be much more pragmatic with their build up and such. And um, that makes it a little bit more difficult. To. They're, they're like an anaconda that's just going to like suffocate the life out of you defensively yeah. so i just i don't think that the strategy can work yeah. over a full 90 minutes but for 45 minutes and maybe. yeah and even if united decide to press like even if they decide to do what they've been doing these last five six matches it's just like press from their front line and just not move their back line up or their center their central midfielders up and aid in the press like City will exploit that like yep. in an instant and just destroy them. So they really can't do that, even if they want to try. So I don't like you said. Like yeah, maybe they can keep them out for forty five minutes, um, but it seems like one way traffic. But of course, we'll probably be sitting here, you know, on on Monday morning and being like, man, could you believe United just won two nothing there with those two transition attacks? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, we'll move on from there to. Saturday morning, 10 a.m. kickoff between Brentford and Chelsea. Uh, the Bees are plus 210 at home. Uh, Chelsea is plus 115, and, and the draw here is plus 275. Brentford coming off of a uh, a disappointing loss to... Another one. Uh, yeah, another one on uh, 
against West Ham on Monday night football. Chelsea, meanwhile, uh, they've just held their their last. Well, they played the the League Cup final, and, and their last Premier League action was that one one draw against City. Um, they are two wins, a draw, and two losses in their last five. Chelsea and those two losses uh, were to Wolves and Liverpool. And I think that actually kind of tells you who Chelsea is this season. We said it all along. They can put up a great effort against Liverpool like they did in the first match week of the season or the two draws against City, but they can also lose to anybody. Um, Brentford is, I think, still the play for me here. They've got two wins and eight losses in their last 10 matches, and the numbers look ugly, but I think if you take a little bit of a deeper look, it's part of that is just... Uh, because of the schedule and and I do not excuse the the performance against uh, West Ham at all um, but when you go beyond that it's the schedule's been rough right like yeah. two their last five uh, Premier League matches excuse me, if you go to their last six Premier League matches it's been uh, Spurs City Wolves Liverpool City West Ham uh, they've had a weird schedule where they've played Wolves four times uh, they played Wolves four mm-hmm. times in like the span of uh, six weeks too. There's there is some weirdness in their um their overall schedule, and it it's you have to go back a little while. I think the win over the two nil win over Wolves was was a decent showing for them on the road against a team that was uh, in good form. But you, this isn't the same. We we say it all the time that like Brentford, they they punch up better than anybody. This hasn't been really the case this season. They have a draw against Spurs, but if you look at their one kind of signature win this season, it did come against the Chelsea team um, back in at the end of October. So I do think at home with a, a Chelsea team that's really not playing for much besides trying to avoid uh, another embarrassing, yeah, another <laughs> embarrassing finish. Like um, I do think that Brentford has everything to play for here, and and um, that the expected goals numbers like the under the, the hood numbers really aren't all that um wide here between these two clubs so um yeah i i guess I'll, this is my long-winded way of saying i'm gonna be on brentford once again on saturday yeah um i'm gonna take a break from from betting brentford um my numbers are obviously showing value on them as they do every single week <laughs> um but i'm instead going to take a little both teams to score and over two and a half, which the best price you can find is minus 138 at bet 365. Um, I just don't really recognize this Brentford defense right now. Uh, last eight matches, you mentioned the schedule has been very, very tough. You know, last eight, they've played, you know, Wolves, you know, twice in the Premier League, you know, as you mentioned, Liverpool, City twice, and Tottenham. Over those eight matches, they have conceded. 11 big scoring chances and allowing 2.15 expected goals per 90 minutes. Like why we loved betting on Brentford for so long is because they're so good at preventing those big scoring chances because they're not going to pressure you when you get the ball inside the final third. Like they are going to stay very passive and they've been doing, doing a great job at staying compact in that low block and preventing those high quality chances. Well, now they're not doing that. They're making honestly what it is. They're just making uncharacteristic dumb mistakes that we have never seen from Brentford. So who knows if those continue? Mark Flecken has been getting better as of late, but he's still bad. Like it's you know, uh, he went from like like a minus seven post shot xG to like a minus six point five. So I mean, a little bit of improvement, but 
Um, but the Brentford offense has been really good. You know, through this difficult stretch of eight matches, they're still averaging over one and a half expected goals per 90 minutes. And Ivan Tony being back in the lineup, who I'll be betting once again for any time goal scorer, has been a breath of fresh air for Brentford, especially going forward in attack, because he's honestly the perfect striker for their system because he's very good at hold-up play. He's very good at running in behind. He's an aerial threat. He's averaging three and 3.3 shots per 90, so he's getting great production for them. And if you look at this match and you look at what Chelsea struggles with, they're actually a pretty good team out of possession. They're very flawed in possession because in a match like this, where Brentford's going to sit in a low defensive block, Chelsea is going to be tempted, and they're going to do it. They're going to push Gallagher, and they're going to push Enzo Fernandez high up the pitch to try and overload the last line of defense, to try and get the ball in the middle somewhere between this Brentford uh, defensive block. Well, we just watched a team that plays very, very similarly to Brentford torch Chelsea repeatedly in transition. That was Wolves. They scored four goals on the road at Stamford Bridge. Brentford's going to set up in the exact same defensive block that Wolves did. They're going to sit just as deep as, as Wolves did, and they're going to attack from deep, just like Wolves did. So given how good Brentford has been in transition, who, I mean, they can definitely put the ball in the back of the net and maybe even score twice here uh, against Chelsea, who's bad in transition defense because they leave Moises Caicedo isolated, and he hasn't been in, at the form that he, he was at Brighton. So uh, both teams to score and over 2.5, again, is minus 138. Really, honestly, just a, a bet against both defenses who are, are very, very flawed um, right now in terms of Brentford making mistakes and Chelsea defending in transition. So uh, that's where I'm going with this one. All right. Uh, on to Everton. Yes. Huge news. Yeah, let's talk relegation. All right. Uh, how about we do this? Let's uh, let's kind of we'll couple together Everton and West Ham Toffees plus 105 at home. West Ham plus two fifty and the draw is two sixty in this one. And we'll we'll also do Luton Town and Villa yeah. uh, at the same time. Luton Town plus three twenty and home. Villa minus one thirty four um on the road and, and the draw is plus three twenty for that one. Uh and we can talk relegation uh, around this too. Everton um handed back four points. Now there is a caveat here. There is another mm-hmm. inquest open uh, to there Everton is. and I think a lot of folks, including myself, like Everton fans, are were fatalistic by nature and <laughs> for good reason. And I think a lot of people were just skeptical that they handed those four points back because the other uh, deduction was going to come and it'll be like, you know, another six or something. Um, we will see, though. That said, like, it, obviously, that uh, it's been a fascinating relegation um, market to bet because a lot of it is just, do you believe that... Um, Everton was going to win their their case, their appeal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it had nothing to do. Wait, so- I'm saying, Michael, I'm going to tell everybody this right now, and I messaged this to to somebody. But betting on these these court cases has been one of the most electric things to bet on this entire Premier League season. And um, you know, I was doing some reading. So essentially, what happened was is that Everton was handed a ten point deduction because there was obviously they broke you know financial fair play rules. But there was also this extra charge of they didn't act in good faith, like they tried to cover it up. Through the appeals process, Everton proved that they did act in good faith. So they got four points back for that. And now what we have is a benchmark, which is six points, right? So if Nottingham Forest and Everton come through the second you know, set of charges or whatever it is, and they at least act in good faith, six points is that benchmark. It looks like we're not going to go above that. 
What's hilarious about this whole situation, Michael, is the court cases for both are going to be at the beginning of April. And I was doing some reading about Nottingham Forest today. Their lawyer has been described as the Lionel Messi of sports law, (laughs) which is very, 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 very funny title to have. But in any case, you know, there is a chance that Nottingham Forest won't be handed a full six points. Same thing with Everton. And honestly, if you look at the table right now, even if Everton are handed a six-point deduction, who's to say they can't overcome one point against Leighton Town, given how bad they've been? But what's even more funny about this is that if both teams appeal the April sentence, the appeal needs to be done by May 24th, which is, I believe, three or four days after the season is over. So we might not know what team is being relegated until these court cases are finalized. And I think the Premier League is is kind of hoping that Everton and Nottingham Forest kind of pull away from the pack here. Right, so exactly. Hand they're them like eight, six points and say, exactly. all right, here you go, whatever, like, yep. let's move on. It's very, very funny they're doing this, and then they haven't decided 115 charges for City yet, but well, that's, that's a yeah, conversation well, for another day. But if you look at the relegation odds right now, Luton Town is minus 175 at Bet365 to be relegated. Um, Opta you know, uh, who does all, obviously all the uh, good projections and everything like that. They have Luton Town at about minus 230-ish, minus 235 to be relegated, barring any obviously, you know, additional points deductions of what we have right now. So what you have to tell yourself is like, okay, is now the time to buy Luton Town to be relegated? Because we obviously won't know what these point deductions are. Um, given the way that Luton Town's playing and given the schedule that they have coming up, uh, I believe now is absolutely the time to buy it because we'll just talk about Nottingham Forest here against Liverpool. Nottingham Forest has been playing a lot better under under Nuno. They actually have a positive expected goal differential in his nine matches in charge, and that's even coupling it with the with the fact that there was a three or four match stretch where their entire back line was away at AFCON. So now they have their entire back line back. They look great in that match against West Ham. Obviously lost to Aston Villa over the weekend, conceded close to four expected goals, but. You know, that's a tough scenario there on the road against a a top four, top five team. They're going to get Liverpool here, and I think this is a good situation for them. You know, Liverpool is obviously playing in the FA Cup on Wednesday. They're probably going to have to play the academy because I I don't know what Liverpool is going to do, Michael, because if, you know, right now they obviously have catastrophic injuries all over the pitch. And, you know, Salah and Nunez might be back for this match, and that's obviously a big um, boost to Liverpool. But it doesn't look like Sobislai, Curtis Jones is obviously still out, or Wataro Endo are going to play. So, and even Gravenberg is out now for an extended period of time. So, who is what? What ball stopper does Liverpool have in the middle of their pitch? So, what that leads me to believe is that Liverpool is going to have to go back to what we saw at the beginning of the season when they were had, when they had to play very very passive, where they weren't that good defensively because they couldn't enact their devastating counter press that that has gotten them all these wins recently because of the induction of Endo and Gravenberg into the squad because they actually have ball stopping. So I don't know what Liverpool is going to do, especially in this match. I mean, this this price is high on Liverpool, quite frankly. I like Nottingham Forest plus one here at home where they've played better, where they can actually hit Liverpool in transition to have pace to get in behind. You know, even the last match, Liverpool got a couple big chances. One was off just a a horrible mistake by by Matt Turner. So we'll see. But Nottingham Forest have been playing a lot better. <laughs> Both them and Everton are significantly better right now in terms of underlying metrics than Luton Town. And yep. Luton Town's going for it. And I love them to death. 
but they're bad. Now their expected goal differential is rivaling that of Burnley and Sheffield United. So I think now's the time to buy Luton Town to be relegated at minus 175. I think by the time these get handed out in April, we could see them be eight, nine points adrift from Forest and Everton. Yeah, I think that that's a, a good way to kind of just bring these these matches together. It's like, I think Everton's a good bet at plus 105 at home. I, the, I, do yep. I think, you know, we, we've, ta- we've talked about West Ham being a paper tiger all season. We've talked about Everton kind of being the opposite of that, a team that um, is much better than its its record and even goal differential would, would tell you. Um, their actual points, are sh- it should they should have 30, uh, was it 31 points? Yep. They have 25 by the real table. Their expected points is, is right, is even higher than that. Like, this is a team that should be sitting like between 8th and 12th in the, the table. Um, and West Ham should be sitting like 14th, between like 14th and 16th uh, in the table if you look at uh, like the, the, the numbers under the hood. And that's why I think, you know, even as a pretty short favorite here at home on the three way line, plus 105 evidence worth a bet. Um, and I also like force, like you said, like this, this Liverpool, this is not a full strength Liverpool team at all. Like this is a, uh, this is going to be a very different looking team against a force team that I think is a buy team right now under Nuno. I think they've, they've kind of got, just got their act together more than anything, which is super important when you're in a relegation battle. So I'll probably be on force at, at, uh, on the money line of five to one for that one. Meanwhile, yeah, I, I've got no interest in, in, uh, Luton, uh, against Villa. So this, yeah, I does, is, is it likely the Forest wins this weekend? No. Uh, but I do think that you're going to see, um, you're going to see Everton pick up points here. You're going to see Forest, even if it's not this weekend, pick up, start to pick up points. And the, the gap just going to become wider and wider and wider for Luton town. Uh, and I don't think we're even going to have much of a, of a relegation battle. Um, right. By the time, you know, March comes to close. Right. So, uh, I, I agree with your notion there. I agree with your um, your thought process. I'm I'm playing Forest, uh, and I know that you're looking at Villa and uh, the over in in that one. So, uh, any thoughts on on those three matches um, that you didn't get to before we move on? Yeah, I do like the over in Luton Aston Villa. Probably one of the uh, one of my favorite plays of the entire season, quite frankly. So, Luton Town have established, and we've talked about this quite a bit that. Playing a passive zonal marking low block just doesn't work. And it hadn't worked for a long time. So what Rob Edwards has done is he said, we're going to man mark all over the pitch. We're going to try to press high. We're going to try to disrupt buildup. And we're just, you know what? Like we have physical enough players. Like we can make it difficult on a lot of teams. Um, They tried that against Manchester City in the FA Cup. And Holland just kept running in behind over and over and over again and ended up scoring five goals in, in less than an hour. I mean, I know Aston Villa has gone through a lot of injuries, but a lot of those injuries are in the defense. I don't understand how their offense is not going to be able to do the exact same thing here. You know, Ollie Watkins, anytime goal scorer, is probably going to be a very live bet here because um, he's he's so good at just running, making those runs right off the back line. Um, so, you know, Aston Villa, they obviously have lost basically their best ball stoppers. You know, Kansa's out, Kamara's out, Diego Carlos is out. What that is a big problem with is not only defending in transition, which is what Luton Town is going to do, but also defending on set pieces. You know, Aston Villa is the worst team at defending set pieces in the Premier League. And those three guys are their biggest physical presences 
that can actually aid in helping them defend them. They conceded one against Nottingham Forest over the weekend, and who's to say they're not going to concede maybe one or two here against Luton Town. So I projected 4.2 goals for this match, and I really think we need to be starting setting these Luton Town overs at three and a half, not three. And I believe as we go throughout the season, they will start at three and a half, and we'll get closer to maybe for the first time, at least I've seen in the Premier League, a total set at four, um, which would be very funny to watch. But I think there is a chance that we could get there at some point because, I mean, Luton Town's going for it. They've conceded the most expected goals in the Premier League since the beginning of November by a very large margin, and they're going to continue to because they have identified this is their best chance to stay in the Premier League is just to yep. go for it. So I like the over. All right, so the over in Luton Town and Villa, you like uh, Forrest to cover. I like them on the money line against uh, Liverpool. We both like Everton against West Ham to, to round up that section. Fulham and Brighton, neither one of us have much here. If you have any thoughts, let me know. Fulham plus yeah. 175. So the injury Brighton situation for Brighton is... Um, 60. Anything interesting here? Should we just Tom is now going to be out for the season, um, which is obviously a huge loss for them, um, along with a bunch of other attackers that are out right now for Brighton. So, I mean, if, listen, if Brighton was fully healthy, chance I could say, like, maybe, you know, my, my numbers, barring any injuries, are projecting a little bit of value here on Brighton. But Fulham's been playing a lot better. Like, credit yeah. to Fulham. We've crapped on them a lot. They got the win against Manchester United. They've been decent defending in a low block. Pauline will be back. So this is pretty much an easy pass for me. I, I, I'm i not really that keen to bet Brighton anymore at their current state. I, I honestly think they're just kind of a, like the eighth or ninth best team in the Premier League. And that's just kind of where they're sitting instead of being like, you know, as we've as we saw last year, given how good they were, they were like the fourth or fifth. So it's just kind of hard to bet Brighton these days, I guess. All right, Newcastle and Wolverhampton up next. Uh, Newcastle odds on minus one ten. Wolves traveling plus two sixty. A draw is plus three hundred. It's hoping that we'd get a better number here on Wolverhampton. It didn't come, so I'm happy yeah. to pass. Yeah, I actually, you know, I actually do like the over here. I think this uh, match kind of sets up to be, you know, what Newcastle wants now is to play very, very aggressively. And, you know, the match against Arsenal is not indicative of what's going to happen here. They obviously couldn't string two passes together or even get the ball out of their own final third. Uh, Wolves is not going to do that to them. They're going to sit much more passive in their defensive block. And, you know, if you look at, you know, since, you know, not Newcastle switched to this more aggressive pressing style where they're pushing their back line up and going man marking kind of everywhere against Aston Villa. And they got the win there. But, you know, since that point, they have played you know, similar transition teams in Luton, Nottingham Forest, and Bournemouth. And all of those teams have just caused problems getting in behind their back line because of how slow Newcastle's back line is. So for Wolves, who's a outstanding transition team, a team that can cause so many problems, I think they are actually very live here. Wolves also, which is a staple under Gary O'Neill, are a very, very good set-piece team, even if it hasn't shown up in the data yet this season. Newcastle has really been struggling to defend those 18th and XG for set-piece, so Wolves is definitely live. But I went back and watched the previous match between these two, and I was shocked. Newcastle was getting the ball in the middle of the pitch just over and over and over again against Wolves' defensive block, which is really concerning here. And if you look through, uh, Wolves is a very puzzling team because we love Gary O'Neill, and they've pulled off all these upsets, but if you look at their expected goal differential, it's like the fifth worst in the Premier League. So I don't really know what's going on. Like their defensive numbers still aren't that great. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I I think the over is definitely live here in a match that is set up to be very, very back and forth, a basketball type match. So projected 3.8 goals. So I do like over three goals in minus 110. 
Spurs and Palace. This one I do like. I, I like Crystal Palace here. They're plus 550 on the road. Spurs are laying a big number here, minus 200. Um, the draw is plus 333. So I'm happy to take a shot here on Palace, just not even just in this match, just generally, because um, I think we all know that the uh, the talent level on this team was much greater than the results that uh, Roy Hodgson was getting from them this season, that the, the style of soccer they were playing was much was a lot more pragmatic than I think uh, people wanted to see when you have uh, the talent that, that Palace has in its ranks, ranks, especially with a couple players with the ball at their feet. Uh, that showed over uh, the weekend with a 3-0 win, a dominant, dominant win um, over Burnley. And it was one match, and it was against Burnley. Uh, but I do think that this um, Palace team is going to be a bet on for the rest of the season. They should be able to kind of click into gear here. I think that it's going to turn into one of those situations where um, when we're doing like a season preview for next year, we're like, oh, watch out for this Palace team. If, if they keep things together, which is, um, of course, unlikely with the way uh, teams will be circling around like as, as they and Elise. But um, I'm, I'm happy to bet them here. I think that that even though the the results don't show it for Spurs in the bigger uh, sample of the whole season, they are vulnerable, I think, to to losing to lesser opposition. They just did it to Wolves. Um, they've you know they had the draw against Everton. They they've had some nail biters in not just in uh, the Premier League, but uh, cup matches against like Burnley. They lost to a West Ham team. We don't really find all that uh, inspiring. Uh, it's actually what two two a pair of two one um, losses to Wolves on the season. So. A Spurs team, I think, that can be had. Uh, they're always a couple mistakes away from a game just getting out of hand, and and, and they're happy to to play that style. They, they want to put their their the pedal to the metal, play some high risk, high reward stuff, and uh, I think that they can be caught here. So with with um, Palace, the rest advantage. I know Spurs because they were off last last weekend. You can look into that, but I think that most signs here point to Palace being a, a live underdog um, against Spurs. Yeah, I mean, they definitely are. I mean, Spurs is obviously, they're always ripe for an upset like this. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Glasner does. He went to a 3-4-3 um, as opposed to the original, you know, either what, 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-2 that Roy Hodgson was playing. Um, obviously got a red card early against, you know, Burnley, with, you know, which, you know, does make a difference, but they they were dominating the matchup to that red, up to that red card. I mean, they were out shooting there. He had four shots to zero. Like, Burnley wasn't really getting inside their final third. So, uh a good performance at home against Crystal Palace. Um, it'll be interesting, you know, as is coming back here, uh, not this, I believe at the, n- the next match um, and same thing with Mark Gahey. So um, encouraging news is that Czech Decore signed a long-term contract today. Um, so there could be, you know, like we, like you just said, going into next year, Palace might be an interesting buy team. Even if Elise leaves, like they might find somebody else. Maybe with Matthias Franca could be, uh, an encouraging player going forward. So especially in Glasner's system, I think a three, four, three suits this crystal palace team a lot better than, you know, four, four, two low block. So uh, definitely ripe to pick off Spurs here. Okay. Uh, two more to get to before we jaunt through Europe, uh, Burnley plus two eighty against Bournemouth. Uh, the cherries are a minus one Oh six road favorite. And the draw is plus two sixty. Uh, this one is uh, a pretty, Easy so pass for me. I've got a, uh, yeah, I've got nothing really to go here. Yeah, so we can just. Pass. I don't. Burnley is just so such an uninteresting team to me. They're just they're just bad, and they're just showing no life of actually getting better. So, 
Um, yep. They've, I don't know if I've bet a Burnley match in a while, and I don't think I might, I will going forward. So uh, easy pass for me. Uh, and we'll wrap up with Sheffield United as a 16-1 to oh home underdog oh against your Arsenal. Uh, the oh Gunners boy. minus five fifty on the road. The draw six to one. It's uh, it's a Monday night football match, three p.m. Standalone, nothing going on. So I probably have a little bit of sprinkle on like the the Sheffield United uh, money line. We'll see how high it gets, and I'll probably maybe even throw a little flutter on uh, the reverse puck line, the reverse run line. Uh, Sheffield United minus one and a half, but that is not something I would uh, recommend unless you are totally okay with. Uh, losing that and losing it quickly uh, and losing it drastically. So um, outside of that, anything here? Uh, no, this is an easy pass. You know, I like to, for these matches, I like to look see, like, what do I have Sheffield United at? Well, I have the projected, I think, at around four, 14 and a half to one. So really just an easy pass for me. Um, I'm not laying two goals with Arsenal on the road. I don't really care how bad Sheffield United has been. Um, yeah, even both teams to score no has been priced out of range. Arsenal to win nil has been priced out as well. Uh, interesting that Sheffield United could be without uh, Ben Diaz and Chris Archer uh, for this match. So um, that is not encouraging um, if you want to actually try to get Arsenal in transition. So, um, yeah, just I know it's Monday Night Football, but this is, a very again, a very uninteresting match. And just pray to God Arsenal doesn't, uh, doesn't trip here okay that wraps up the premier league uh onto europe this is uh all you will start with the bundesliga here um a opportunity for you to bet stuttgart yes um i mean i've said it before but stuttgart are legitimately the third best team in the bundesliga right now putting up rivaling underlying numbers that of leverkusen right now um it's because they're such a difficult team to prepare for they're really really good in possession uh, they want to play through balls through the middle of the pitch. They want to dominate it there. Zone 14, which is the uh, zone right in front, you know, right outside the 18-yard box in the center of the pitch where the little half circle is, that is like the most key area in the football match. It's like who, who can dominate that area? Stuttgart has completed the third most passes in that little area behind only Leverkusen and Bayern Munich, just showing how good they are at playing through the middle. But they've also completed the second most crosses of anybody into the penalty area in the Bundesliga. So it just shows how difficult they are to prepare for. Also, you know, they have two unbelievable strikers. And Michael, I want you to jot this name down for Golden Boot at the Euros. Dennis Undav, who, who's playing for Stuttgart right now on loan from Brighton. Germany, they've had a striker problem forever. Basically since Miroslav Klose retired, they haven't been able to find a striker. This guy, Michael... He's in incredible form right now, 0.85 XG per 90, 14 goals already on the season. Him and Jirasi haven't really played alongside each other very much. They've played five matches together, and you know, up, up top, both started. In those five matches, two of them came uh, against Bayern and Leverkusen. In those two matches, they actually created three expected goals, but in the other three matches came against teams in the bottom half of the table with those two up top. They created 7.6 expectacles. They are an absolutely lethal threat. And they're taking on a Wolfsburg team that, quite frankly, has stunk against good teams. Again, six matches against the top five in the Bundesliga. They have a minus 5.3 expectable differential. And in their previous match against Stuttgart, they conceded 2.7 expected goals. But Dennis Undav, Michael, he'll probably be 
200, 250 to one will be my guess for golden boots, somewhere in that range. Um, he might not even start Germany's first match up top, but if they have striker problems and they struggle and they have this guy waiting on the bench, who is just an incredible form for Stuttgart, he could come in match number two, put a ball in the back of the net. And guess what? He's up top for the rest of the euros. So just mark that down. Just, you know, write that name down. If you're listening to this, it might, he might not even make the team quite frankly, he got a call up. He's going to get a call up for these next couple friendlies for Germany. But if he makes the squad, Michael, he's really their only striker that Germany has. So at least a true striker. All right. So if you want a long shot, Dennis Undoff, golden boot at the euros. Perfect. And I'll run I'll, I'll yeah. move on here to, uh, Italy, Torino, draw no bet, minus 140 against Fiorentina. I mean, this is pretty simple. Another fate of Fiorentina. Torino is a very difficult team to play. Very, very good defensive team. They man-mark all over the pitch. They like to just, they like to sit in a mid-block. Basically, a very mirror image of a good... You know what they are, Michael? They're a mirror image of Marcelo Bielsa's leads combined with Sean Dyche's Everton, where they are so good once you cross the halfway point in terms of man-mark pressing and how intense they are. It's so difficult to play through them. So in a league where, you know, like Italy, where nobody presses anymore, you know, Fiorentina is number one in field tilt. They're got, they're number one in all these build up uh, categories. The last time they played Torino, they they struggled so badly to play through them. Fourteen penalty box touches, only half an expected goal created. So I think Torino gives them a lot of problems here, especially at home. They're just quite frankly a better team based on underlying metrics. So Torino drawn a bet minus one forty. Moving on to Spain. You know, Michael, there's actually been a team in Spain that's been more unlucky than Celta Vigo. And they're playing them on Friday. It's Almeria, who's at the bottom of the table. Uh, they haven't won a match yet this season. Ofer, 26, having a nine draws, just drew Atletico Madrid over the weekend. But if you remove penalties, they have a minus 23 actual goal differential. Their non-penalty expected goal differential is minus four. They're... Their expected points is about 25, and they have nine on the season. Like, they've, been, they've only been awarded one penalty, and they've conceded nine. It's just been a categoric underperformance of epic proportions. And I know that Celta Vigo <laughs> has conceded so many goals in stoppage time. Even in their last match against Cadiz, they were winning, and they conceded in the 100th minute this time. I think that might be the latest that they've had this season. But I do believe Celta Vigo is a little overvalued here. I mean, you're looking at them at minus 130, minus 135 here at home against a team that really doesn't have that much worse of underlying metrics. And Almeria is actually a pretty good offense, top seven in expected goals. So Almeria plus a half, uh, about plus 110 uh, against Cadiz, only, or excuse me, against Celta Vigo, only projected them at plus 116. And then finally in France, Marseille, minus 120 on the road against Clermont Foot. Marseille is in a weird position right now they are on their third manager of the season Jean-Louis Gasset who got fired from the Ivory Coast in the middle of the group stage now gets the job here at Marseille after Gennaro Gattuso got fired and they've had a little bit of new manager bounce you know it's going like going from that like really strict teacher to some older substitute teacher who's just you know kind of there because he's bored because Gasset is like 70 years old and they've scored, you know, seven goals in their last three, last two matches with him in charge. A uh, little breath of fresh air. But Marseille, the, the underperformance for them has been actually quite remarkable. This is kind of funny, Michael. So Marseille has nine draws on the season. In those nine draws, 
They have won the expected goals battle in every single match and have a plus 8.2 expected goal differential overall in nine draws. That's crazy. Like, that's almost unheard of. They're taking on Claremont Foot, who is the worst team in France right now, worst expected goal differential, a team that's most likely to be relegated. And before we get out of this Europe section, I have a future for everybody. Uh, Le Havre to be relegated at 8-1, to one, third worst expected goal differential in Ligue 1 right now, but are being priced above teams like Montpellier and Lorient, who have better underlying metrics than them. They're on a bad run of form. They finish off the season playing PSG, Nice, and Marseille. So if we even get to a point, now obviously France has gone to 18 teams and the third spot is a relegation playoff spot. But given their bad underlying metrics, I think there's a very real shot that they could be in that third spot and you get an eight to one shot on, you know, whoever's coming up from the second division to play them. So uh, a little French future for everybody for the weekend. Le Havre, because they play, they play Brest this weekend on the road, so they're most likely going to lose there. So their odds are probably going to plummet after that. So uh, Le Havre to be relegated 8-1 to one as well, along with Marseille, minus 120. Okay. Thank you for that tour de force through Europe. On to our underdogs uh, for today. I'll start. Uh, I like Palace at plus 550 against Spurs. Uh, like I said, I think that this this Palace team is under glass, and there's going to be a bye as, as they start to play a little bit more on the front foot. Uh, catch teams, uh, and I think that's actually pretty conducive to catching a team like Spurs um, who want to play a little bit uh, with more risk in their feet. So Palace to pick them off on the road, plus 550. I think that Tottenham, time for Tottenham to finally lose as, as a as a big favorite has come. So uh, I'll take uh, the Eagles. Oliver Glasner's Eagles here. Mm-hmm. What do you got? I got Mallorca on the island against Girona, plus 220. So Obviously, we've known for many years that Mallorca has been way, their performances have been much better on the island than they have been on the road. They just had a great performance. They're going to the Copa del Rey finals after beating Real Sociedad over two legs. So they played Girona in the Copa del Rey finals at home, and they pumped three goals past them in rapid succession. They're a team that's really, really good in transition, which is where Girona struggles. And it's, again... Girona really wasn't that impressive for a large stretch against Vallecano on Monday. Then they score a goal. They get a red card. They score two goals in stoppage time. And it's like, oh my gosh, 3-0 win. Like, great performance from Girona. When it's like, yeah, they were really bad for like the first 50 minutes. And then suddenly, you know, they turn things around. But um, I predicted this match pretty close to a pick So Mallorca on the island, plus 220, I think is a fantastic price. Okay. Uh, on to best bets. I like... Um... I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go right back to Everton here as a money yep. line uh, favorite. They're plus 105 at home against West Ham. I think if you look at these two teams, Everton is fully deserving of their favoritism um, on the three-way line here. They're a better team than West Ham. The underlying metrics look good. Just West Ham has just been catching a ton of breaks. They're winning games in the big moments. Um, full credit to them for getting the results, but this Everton team hasn't won in almost two and a half months now, and, and I think that that uh, slide ends here at Goodison Park. Uh, should be a buoyant crowd after the points deduction was um, slashed a bit. So I'll uh, take Everton plus 105 against West Ham. Luton Town, Aston Villa over three goals at minus 120. Luton Town have established that their only method of actually staying in the Premier League is going to have to be that they're going to have to play very aggressive. So you saw against Manchester City in the FA Cup on Tuesday that they man-marked Manchester City all over the pitch. 
And what it resulted in is Erling Holland getting in behind time and time again on their way to scoring six goals. They're going to play the exact same way against Aston Villa because they have established that they're not good enough in a low defensive block where they try to zonal mark. Ollie Watkins is so good at running in behind defenders and is going to cause a lot of problems for Luton Town. The flip side of it, though, is, is that Aston Villa has kind of struggled in build up from time to time. So Luton Town can impress them high. They could nick a couple high turnovers off them. And Aston Villa is also the worst team at defending set pieces. They're obviously without all of their good ball stoppers right now with Kamara being out of the season, Diego Carlos also being out along with Kansa. What those three guys also are, are their best defenders on set pieces. So with Luton Town, which is a main off of corners, which is a main method of how they've actually scored a lot of their goals, they're going to have a big advantage there. So there's definitely a path for Luton Town to get Aston Villa in transition without all those ball stoppers to get on set pieces. So this match, for me, has the makings of end-to-end basketball-style match, which is what Luton Town wants right now. So I projected 4.2 goals. I love over three goals at minus 120. It's probably one of my favorite plays of the entire Premier League season to date. There we go. All right. Uh, I should have noted that, that that underdog parlay pays out 20 to 1 for the two legs. So uh, good luck if you place that. Um, well, we, we will be back next week. Uh, until then, best of luck with all your bets. Thank you for listening to Wonder Goal. Thank you for rating, reviewing, and subscribing. If you already have, please do if you haven't. Thank you to our producer, Noah, uh, for the hard work on the back end. Uh, and we will see you in a few days. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.